What if you pulled up your phone and you're like, Siri, women be shopping? And Siri's like, they be. <laughs> it literally, it's like, check out this info. It's just a bunch of graphs. <laughs> just a, on one axis, women. On the other, be shopping. Yeah. It's a bunch of graphs. Yeah, there's a Venn diagram and one side says women and one says shopping and one says be. Man. There's women and then there's women be and they're shopping and there's be shopping. But when they intersect for women be shopping, you cannot stop a woman from shopping. <laughs> it is impossible to stop that woman from shopping. You know what they say? <laughs> it's impossible to stop that woman. Zero credits. You know what they say, it's impossible to stop that woman. And welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Henry. And my name's John. And together we're Henry and John coming at you to discuss the cultural happenings of that there zeitgeist here in the dog days of Hot Girl Summer. Yes, Hot Girl Summer almost at an end. And then we enter, what was it, Christian Girl Autumn? Christian Girl Autumn, and I can't wait for all those Christian pop songs that exist for real. I cannot wait for Christian Girl Autumn to be upon us, for the fell moon to rise in the sky, and for the Christian girls to crawl out from under their various rocks to infest the streets once again. Now, we've got the dog days of hot girl summer. Is there going to be, like, cat nights of autumn, or Christian autumn girl summer? Uh, yes. Cat nights of Christian autumn dog summer is my favorite Florence plus the Machine album. Oh, yeah. I heard they got back together. Her and the Machine? Her and the Machine. That's great. The yeah. Ma- man, the Machine has had a rough time of it in music. Yeah. People were raging against it. People were warned against it. People were warned against it. You know, welcome, my son. Welcome welcome to the machine. To the machine. They were welcomed. They were raged against. Yeah. They had that tumultuous relationship with Florence. Yeah, the machine's been all over. The machine has been all over. They were also in R.E.M. Because as we all understand, R.E.M. stands for Rapid Eye Machine. (laughs) For that brief time, yes. For that brief time. Now, they went back to what R.E.M. always stands for, which is really excited men. <laughs> well, it's that, that's interesting, because all the music is very sad. Yeah, they have to hide it. Oh, they have well. to hide their love away. Summer is a weird time for weird things to happen. A lot of stuff is happening right now, John. A lot of it. 500 million bees are dead in Brazil. Today? Recently, I'm not going to claim that happened all in one day, but I just read a headline, 500 million honeybees dead in Brazil. Is that because the rainforest is burning? And scientists are afraid, John. Uh, they better be. <laughs> they better fucking be. I love when, uh, I love when <laughs> headlines are like, and scientists are afraid. It's like, 
Yeah, something killed 500 million bees. I'm one scientist. Hell yeah, I'm afraid, Cox Gun. <laughs> they have to, I have to imagine that they go up to one scientist and they say, 500 million bees are dead, and he says, I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, so, are, you're a scientist? Yes. Are you afraid? Always. I mean, you have to, if you're a scientist, you exist in a constant state of fear, right? Yes. You have to, because you have no faith and you understand that everything's bad. Yeah, you, you're presented every day with knowledge that you that you can understand, but can't you can't really do much about. Like, we've known about global warming for decades. Decades. And scientists, like, scientists, multiple scientists have known about it, and they're still like, hey, um, we're hit, we're hit we just, we kind of just waved by to that point of no return. It, yeah. They just it's see gone. people. They're they're like people who are on like a like a big bloated parade float, and they're just like, "Hey, we should stop the parade float. There's a there's a cliff. If we keep going past this point, we're gonna go off the cliff." Everybody and everyone's like, "Hoo hoo hoo!" And they're like blowing yeah. vuvuzelas and like dr- eating cake. And you're like, "Everybody, we probably need to stop before we go off the." All right, fine. And everyone just kind of like opens up another can of Coke Zero and starts sipping it mid song. Yes, that is a good point. Today's episode is not brought to you by alcohol in the least. Half of this episode is brought to you by Coke Zero. I only had one cold one. The other half is brought to you by sweet, sweet H2. Now with more fluoride. I love fluoride. I had some fluoride painted on my teeth today. Oh, that doesn't sound like a thing that's worth talking about. Or oh, is it? Well, here's the thing, John. I don't know if you know this about me. There's a lot of stuff going on this summer. One of these events that happened just this day, 500 million <laughs> bees are dead. Yes. But more importantly, and more, I say that with full irony, is that for the first time in 10 years, I went to a dentist. Really? Now, what happened to your mouth? What that mouth did? I'll tell you the story as though it happened just last night. Wait, hold on. You haven't been to a dentist in ten years? I haven't been to a dentist in ten years. (sighs) You know, it's not that uncommon. I once dated a girl who had never gone to a dentist her entire life, and she was older than I was. I feel like a lot of dentistry is groundwork. And so a lot of shit was done to my mouth over the course of 18 goddamn years, and I hated... Most of it. Now, do you feel like... Do you mean groundwork in the sense of, like, they're laying a groundwork for your teeth to be good in the future? Or groundwork like a, like a UFC fighter would have good groundwork in that they can take someone to the ground and then beat them senseless? I was I was thinking more so the, uh, the former, the, okay. the first one. That makes sense. I feel like you set yourself up for success with a lot of, you know, grinding and drilling and just poking and prodding and shit. And you put on the braces, you do the retainer. I had a herps appliance growing up. I don't know if you know what that is. It fucking sucks. One in three people has it. Hmm? One in three people has herps. Not, not, not herpes. Oh, never mind. H-E-R-B-S. Herbs. Oh, I have no idea what that is. Uh, so you know... I'm, you actually don't know. You know what a reta- retainer is? I did not know what a retainer was until you told me before the podcast. So imagine a retainer... But with two metal pistons that connect to each other. Oh, you have mecha jaw. That you have to wear at all times that are literally drilled into your mouths. 
You can't take it out. Why would you ever want to? That sounds cool. Because apparently my jaw was fucked up. Oh, no. Look, I did a bunch of shit with dentistry. I fucked with dentistry. Yeah. For, then, eight, for 18 years. Mm-hmm. Then I moved away to college and I was like, fuck that. You took a break. Yeah. You and dentistry, you had a good thing going. But, you know, every relationship, you have to take a break. And, and I'll say, for not going for 10 years, I only had three cavities. That's been my experience is I typically don't go to a, ten, a dentist, someone who fixes my tents. I typically don't go to a dentist for three to five to seven years at a time. Every time I have a cleaner bill of health than I think I deserve. No, honestly, they're like, how long has it been? And I never said it's been 10 years. I just kept saying, it's been several years. So, I, I mean, they give an idea, but if they, if I knew off the top of my head, it's been a decade, yeah. I feel like they would be like, well, you, we could shoot you in the head. The problem is they can count the rings on your teeth and know how long it's been. Like a horse. Like a horse. What? So, last night... Oh, that's how you... But also, your retainer? What happened to your retainer? Okay, so last night, I was eating chips and guacamole, as we are wont to do down here in the... The southwestern part of the U.S. It's our dessert. It's our water. It actually was my dessert last night. Because I had like two slices of leftover pizza. Nice. And I was like, I'm going to save a slice for my dear wife who I love so much. And uh, so instead, I'm going to eat chips and guac to fill that void in my stomach where a heart should be. Yeah. Hearts don't go in stomachs, but you know, you get what yeah. I'm saying. And I, I'm just chomping away on these chips. And I, I bite down on like a really guac-covered chip. And next thing I know, I hear and like the wire in my wire retainer that's been cemented in my mouth 10 years ago, uh, just popped out on one side and stabbed me in the tongue. Oh, Jesus. And, uh, so for like a good, a good hour and a half, I couldn't talk because every time I talked, this wire would stab me in the tongue, like a little, like a little gremlin with a fork Uh in my mouth. And... (laughs) I texted my, my wife, who I love so much. Uh, hey, my retainer broke. Oh, no. And she sent back, are you okay? Does it hurt? And I was like, I'm just annoyed. I'm yeah. just really annoyed because now it's going to be this whole thing. Yeah. So she gets home like an hour and a half later. And <laughs> she sees like... Eats the pizza. She's like scissors. She sees scissors on the on like the uh, the, the bathroom counter and stuff. And she's like... Did you try to cut it out? And I was like, yeah, I did. Oh, it didn't no. work. The scissors were bad. Yeah, and it's made of metal. And it's made of metal. And she's like, I have pliers that you could use. And like, so while I'm on Discord with two of my friends, we're playing, uh, what were we playing? I don't know what we played last night, because I was more focused on my mouth being bad. Yeah, so you probably weren't like racking up through KD ratio. No, not at all. Mm. And she, so <laughs> they, they hear her say over the mic... Tell, let me know if I hurt you. And they're like, what the fuck is oh, happening? No. And she just bent the wire yeah. in the opposite direction so it wasn't poking my, in the mouth. Anyway, that led to me having to pick a... That led to me having to book a dentist appointment uh, for the first time in ten years. And let me tell you, a lot of the stuff I hated about dentists has completely changed. Really? Remember when you go to the dentist and you sit in their, their chair that's never comfy when you're sitting up, but is infinitely more comfy when you're laying down? Uh-huh. And you're staring into that bright light? Uh-huh. Apparently, they're supposed to give you sunglasses. What? They gave me sunglasses to put on, and I was like, oh, this is new. And they said, yeah, OSHA... 
has really gotten on to dentist because if you're sta- if someone is supposed to be like staring into a light for a long time or is this what what happens OSHA is like no you need protective eyewear and rack another one up for OSHA another one what another victory mm. for protection plus now instead of looking like wise <laughs> eyes wide open I look cool as fuck. I got sunglasses on. No one can see your eyes, nor can they see the fear in them. Exactly. And from a dentist's point of view, it feels like you're working on a really cool guy, not a scared animal. Exactly. I like. I kind of wondered after a while, because like, they, they never said, like, you can take the glasses off until the very end. I was like, I wonder if it's just like, yeah, you look really cool. Yeah, we you, don't want to take them off. You don't, you know, you look better with them on. You start leaving like, no, keep them. <laughs> I wish, but they were like... No, we're going to need them back. We've got the one pair per room. Oh, no. It's like, yeah, I figured. Oh, that, those must be good. Why are they, Ray-Bans? <laughs> no, they were like little cheap plastic, oh, you know, okay. dollar... They were comfortable as hell, though. Okay. I, I should have asked, like, where did you get these? It has also been years since I've been to the dentist, so I didn't know about this. Remember that part about dentistry where they take, like, a little hook and they scrape mm-hmm. in between your teeth? They no longer do that. They no longer bring out the hook. They don't. Well, they bring out the hook for, uh, for small like leftovers. Yeah. But what they do now is they've got like this sonic scraper that uses sound to like break little particles apart. Uh huh. And like so, they they kind of just like rub it on the areas, and then like senses it really a fucking annoying sound. I hated it. But uh, this high pitched whining noise to like break apart all the all the, the things that shouldn't be there. Nice. It was interesting. That's amazing. Remember when you had to get like uh, like caps or like you had to get fillings done? Uh huh. They would bring out like this space age ray gun, p- put it in your mouth, pull like, the pull the trigger. It's like they're bedazzling yeah. your mouth, and everything would glow. And like there was like a, even like a little like eye shield part for them, so that the glow wouldn't get onto them, but it would still get onto you or whatever. I don't. know. It's like a vape pen now. <laughs> Wait, what? It's like a vape pen that the, the, like a little small nozzle that just put in your mouth, and you hear like the and I'm like, oh, is that the heat gun thing? They're like, don't talk. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get a filling? Got three. Nice. For my three cavities. I need... The problem is, I got the old school fillings. Oh, yeah? You probably got the cool white ones. I guess they were clear. Uh, Back in the day, they were, like, red. I have the old school metal fillings Mm. that apparently, like, if they are removed, can, like, get in your bloodstream and be real bad for you. So these things are probably never going anywhere. Wow. Uh, Which is a bummer. But that's great. I'm amazed the dentists are better. And one last thing, the thing that, that sparked this whole discussion. Remember at the end of the dentist visit, they would have you swirl around in your mouth this god-awful tasting liquid they call fluoride? Uh-huh. And it was awful, and you had to do it for like 30 seconds straight, and when you got older, 45 seconds straight? Uh-huh. Well, apparently they've had a ton of changes in technology, because uh, the, the this lady... Who was, who was, like, selling me this fluoride, basically. Because, of course, everyone's a salesman now. Yeah. She's like, it's no longer, like, the foam. I'm like, what are you talking about? So, like, oh, well, it's no longer, like, the, this other thing. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like, okay, good. You went through... You're jumping from the awful liquid to this, which is not that bad. Yeah, there were so many in-between steps. There was one where we took a gun and blasted <laughs> you in the mouth with foam. 
And this one, it's just like they take, like, not a, a small, like, cotton swab, and they just swab your teeth with fluoride back and front. And they're like, yeah, just leave it on for two hours. Your teeth might be sticky, but uh, you're good to go. That's way better. Yeah. That's so much better. Now, this has allayed a number of fears that I've had about going to the dentist. Yeah. And I'll probably go now. Here's the thing. I think you got to go to a good one. you got to find, feel it out, maybe get a wreck from a friend or something, ask around, see where they go. Because, like, my entire fear about going to the dentist is going in and it's like, what the fuck have you been doing? Yeah. What? Do you brush your teeth with garbage? Are you a garbage man for garbage people? Get the fuck out of my goddamn practice. Now you... There are dentists that are like that. And to I grew up with one that... Absolutely. My dentist was a real bastard. We kept him for 18 years because my mom was like, he always says nice things to me. Oh. And it's like... Well, you pay. Yeah, you pay. I don't. He yells at us because we're children and he hates us. Yeah. Uh, so I, I never like going to the dentist because it's like, okay, what did I do wrong this time? Because you told me to start flossing. I started flossing. What's what's wrong this time? You walk into the dentist's office. You're like, what's up? Come on. Hit me with it. Yeah, just, just let me know. It's like, but the, the hygienist, mm-hmm. the, the dental hygienist, she's lovely. Like, she gives, she doesn't say a goddamn thing about my teeth. You come in for five seconds, destroy my self-esteem, and it's like, what are you going to do when you start dating? You're going to have bad teeth when you start dating? It's like, I already have a girlfriend. They're it's like, really- oh, she likes kissing you if you're bad teeth? It's like, what the fuck is this? They really, uh, good cop, bad cop you there, between mm-hmm. the hygienist and the dentist. At this place that I went to, I don't know, maybe I can shout them out. They asked me to write a, a Yelp review, and I hadn't yet. Ooh, I love when a business asks you to write a Yelp review, because it means they know they've already given you good service. The last time that happened was a charming vegan bakery at a delicious empanada. Nice. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were there. That's my first London fog. Yeah. It was delicious. Changed your life. Changed my life. All right. Well, this is Dr. Logan Miller, uh, North Austin Dentistry, Mm -hmm. is the name of his practice. Very lovely people in... uh, the entire time, because they could, like, they, the, you fill out, like, a, you know, your paperwork, and then you fill out with somebody else a second thing. It's like, all right, well, do you have, like, white coat anxiety? Or do you, I don't know what they called it. Yeah. It's like, do you know, what are your fears? Do you not like drills? To, you know, let us know. It's like, I think I'm just generally anxious about everything. And they're <laughs> like, yeah, we get that a lot. I think everyone's just anxious, you know, on some level. Yeah, and then they're writing coward <laughs> on your sheet. <laughs> I I couldn't read it. I kept looking at the sheet instead of answering her. Like, what are you writing? What are you writing about me? They have to pick whether they give you the real dentistry or the coward's <laughs> dentistry. But like, they really work with you, and like the kind of, like everyone. I worked with three or four people worked on my teeth, and each time they would come on read that thing, and then like I think they would shape what they do around that. And so the the hygienist was like, "Let me just like take a look. Mm-hmm. What are we working with?" And she's like, "Oh, nice." Nice. Oh, this is good. Nice. Oh, right. positive reinforcement. And she's like, okay, you've got some, you know, concern spots, but overall, really, really well done. And, like, the x-ray technician was like, yeah, these are looking good. These are looking good. And it was like the dentist came in and was like, took one look at the x-rays. He's like, yeah, three cavities. I was like, oh. And he's like, how long has it been since you've been to a dentist? And I was like, yeah, a couple of years. Like, well, let's catch you up to speed. Let's catch you up to speed. Let's fix that mouth. He's like, you got three cavities. We're going to fix them today if you let us. And I'm like... Why wouldn't I? <laughs> yeah, I have insurance. 
We're lucky enough to have insurance. And that was a very pleasant experience, and I highly recommend them. Just, I don't, I don't know. I And now it's just like, I did it, and they're like, okay, we'll see you in six months. And I'm like, that's a half a world away. No one's going to be alive then. Yeah. No one's going to come back to a dentist in six months. We'll all be cloud computers. There was a very funny thing, because uh, this dentistry, this dentist practice, this dental... Office, what do you call it? Oh, Tooth House. This Tooth House, uh, they have some special hours on Wednesdays. Because mm-hmm. normally, a lot of places, they close, like, oh, it's five, we're out of here. Yeah. They're they're open to seven on Wednesdays. That's, oh, nice. That's their one day where they, they stay late for people who can't make it. And I knew that because I looked at their website. And I was like, I, I, you know, give me a Wednesday appointment after five. Yeah. And they're like, okay, you're like, so, such and such at 610. And then the hygienist was like, this is a very hot appointment. Like, people really want this appointment. So if you don't make it, I will kill you. Oh, boy. And I was like, whoa. And she's like, yeah, nothing like getting threatened to remember your dental appointment. And I was like, I guess that works. Yeah, a lot of really positive experiences. Maybe the one negative. <laughs> you were threatened to be killed, which I'm pretty sure your shitty dentist did not do to you. No, I mean, it was... It was it was just like a tongue-in-cheek sure, it kind was of a, thing. It was a joke. Was uh, a I, had joke. A, I had a question, though. So your retainer broke. Yeah. Have you considered getting replaced with, like, a porter or a man at hand? You know, to carry your belongings to and from your horseless carriage? Well, uh, oh, like my retainer? Like, yeah, your, you know, your retainer? Mm, is your, this like a, a, a servant job that used to exist? Yeah, exactly. Oh, no, I have not. Yeah, no. Aw, oh, damn it. I've been working on a type 5 of early 20th <laughs> century jokes, and that is not one of them, apparently. I'm getting a removable one. Oh, a nice. A removable retainer, so I won't need it all the time. That's. I mean, as long as you're ready to put it in, and if you don't, she'll kill you. Yeah, she'll kill me. She will murder you. Yeah. Anyway, that's my Yelp review. Nice, Doctor Logan Miller. You should uh, you should tell them be like, hey, I showed you all a podcast. They're like, how many people listen to it? You're like, fewer than use Yelp. <laughs> yeah, uh, what Yelp isn't even really a thing anymore, right? I Yelp some. I've given a couple Yelp reviews. I only Yelp if some place is really good. Is my problem. Mm. I need to Yelp for the bad. Oh yeah, call out call out the negative stuff. Call out culture. Call out. Cancel culture. We need to cancel this one enterprise I went to. Oh, you went to an inter- Oh, like a car rental place. Yeah, it was a bad experience. No, I did actually leave them a one, and I never felt bad about it, because fuck those people. If you get bad service or people mistreat you, call them out, do it. But always tip at least 20%. There was a time in my life where I wrote a glass door review for my current place of employment, uh, obfuscating a little bit the identity of the writer, and uh, apparently it was so well writ- written... That it kind of made the circuit around the office. Oh, no. And people started demanding to know who wrote it. And they're like, there are going to be certain repercussions for individuals who are, who are protecting this writer. And they kept going, like, names kept popping up about, we think it was this person. We're going to go after him. And uh, so I ended up deleting the review... And it kind of all of that talk kind of disappeared over a weekend once they, I guess, saw it was deleted. Uh huh. But I kind of want to repost it now and just be like BT Dubs at the very end. Like, I brought this down 
<laughs> like I, I deleted this before because this review literally sparked a witch hunt. This sounds like maybe a National Labor Relations Board violation. Yeah. Maybe that's a subject for another podcast. Maybe. Anyway, so, dentistry yes. is good again. Dentistry is good. Go to a dentist. I, there's no easy way to bring up what I want to talk about on the podcast. Do you want me to sort of segue for you? I think I can segue myself. Okay, do you want me to set you up for the segue? Speaking of teeth. If you're a fan of punching people in the mouth until their teeth come out... Jesus Christ. Then you, like me, and every other discerning human being on Earth, probably a pretty big fan of the Yakuza video games. Oh, Yakuza, yeah. I want to bring something to people's attention. No one listening to this will purchase based on this, but I care about it very deeply. Uh, are you familiar with the uh, history of Yakuza 3, the video game about punching people in Japan? Why? So just specifically the history of that one in the whole series? Let me walk you through it. So Yakuza had an interesting first three installments. Because the essentially what Yakuza is right now is that the video games will be released... Uh, localized to English, but still with Japanese voices and, like, culture and stuff. Changed minimally. Yeah, not, not, what's the, not, not, what's the word? Translated, not localized, I guess? Not localized. Yeah. Just purely translated. Yes. So, the first Yakuza game was called Yakuza. When it came out, it was, uh... Pretty widely regarded. People were excited about it, mostly because it seemed to be almost a spiritual successor to Shenmue, the Dreamcast game. Oh, yeah, Shenmue. And some people loved that game. I did. In retrospect, I see that it was actually not good, uh, but I loved it. Uh, when it was... It, oh, sorry. When Yakuza came to the States, the first one was dubbed, and you could not change the dub. Uh, it was dubbed with celebrity voice talent because it was supposed to be... The way it was marketed was a dark, gritty, Grand Theft Auto-like RPG experience. Uh, so Mark Hamill played Majima. There were a few other pretty... Big names. Pretty big names in it. And the script was god-awful. Like, they, they put a bunch of like unnecessary cursing in it. Not to say that there's not cursing in Yakuza. But the thing about Yakuza is it's kind of tongue-in-cheek and fun. But everything about it was just like made very sexist kind of homophobic really problematic tons of cursing for no reason whole lines and relationships were changed to like sell this gritty angle so they western they tried to cater it to a western audience i would say this is like one of the last great not great in quality but great in it's a great example it's one of the last great examples of westernization of japanese media yeah because by the time that had come out that was largely the era of westernizing Japanese media had largely passed and was, at that time, mostly the purview of, like, Saturday morning cartoons where they'd make something called, like, Spider Riders or whatever. Or they would make Power Rangers. Or they would make Power Rangers. Uh, and then after that, the video game that came after was Yakuza 2. It was out in Japan for a long time. And there was a... 
there was like great fervor in America to release it here. The problem being, the first Yakuza sold terribly. So they didn't feel like going through the effort to to bomb again. Exactly. They, they put so much effort into the first Yakuza and they completely missed the point and it bombed and was not successful at all. For Yakuza 2, eventually what they did was released it following the mold that they would follow later, which is they largely just translated it. Uh, and it was great. And Yakuza 2 is like my introduction to the series. It's where I started with everything. So essentially they learned their lesson. They learned that maybe they... Like maybe even through a cost-effective way they learned their lesson. Because Mark Hamill, voice talent, rewriting, all... That takes a lot of money. Yes. And then it flopped. So it's like we still kind of want to touch that audience. We still want to kind of capture yeah. what interested parties there are. It's like, but all we're going to do is the bare minimum and just ship it over. Yeah. And then it turned out that that worked. People liked it. And there was still a little bit of the of the spirit of westernization in there for, for changing certain aspects of the story. And uh, Yakuza 2 is really where it became more comedic. Yakuza 3, which brings us to why this is important. When Yakuza 3 came out, they followed a similar mold of translating... Like, minimal localization, minimal westernization. However, there were parts of Yakuza 3, because Yakuza 3 is when these video games started to get very big, because at the rate that these are kind of remaining kind of popular in America, they are phenomenally popular in Japan. They are, like, cultural phenomenons, huge events. Like, they are the Japanese Grand Theft Auto. Nice. And for Yakuza 3, it had a lot of things in it, that were very, very, very Japanese. Uh, so there's like a whole like hostess club side game where in addition to like visiting hostess clubs and like fostering relationships, you can also like manage idols and like manage a hostess club. And there's a, this whole like persona like sub story of like managing relationships and like social links with people and then like going on dates with people potentially, right? Very Japanese, uh, but very expensive to translate. And there were also uh, karaoke songs. Of course. Karaoke songs with, like, full, like, motion videos of, like, the characters singing. And there was this whole thing. And they didn't want to translate it. Because it took too much money to translate, like, the kinetic typography of the karaoke things. And they just considered it too polarizing for Western audiences. Tons of that game was cut. However, Yakuza 3 Remaster has now come out on PS4. Yakuza 4 Remaster and Yakuza 5 Remaster, all three of these were on the PS3. From now to, I believe, October of 2020, these will be released. Meaning, not only can you play all of these games now on the PS4, but all of them have all content completely restored. Nice. And the reason why I think this is important is because over time amazingly the yakuza games where they like immediately took off to like a massive cultural success in japan have slowly crept up in america and gotten more and more popular their ability to like stay true to what they were makes them increasingly popular here yeah and it makes more sense to put more effort into these things so now we're like kind of at parody well plus with the addition of streaming or twitching your video game play the Yakuza series is a very visually, very stylized, very fun-to-watch game. There's a lot of, like, oh, man, like, crazy moments that are worth sharing. And, and I think uh, 
The YouTuber Dunkey has played a few, you know, he doesn't do like playthroughs, but he does yeah. highlight videos of his Yakuza playthroughs that are, are very fun to watch. All I know about Yakuza is, and one of them or some of them, you play, you, you get to, you, you, you could lift cars and throw them at people. Yeah. You can, like, beat people up with, like, bicycles or fish. Uh-huh. Just because, like, it's in the environment and you can pick it up. Yeah. And, like, so the more over the top that they seem, the more the visually pleasing aspect of that rises and that gets more popular, more people play it. And I think maybe this whole YouTube slash Twitch slash Mixer slash all this other stuff sort of phenomenon that's been going on has really raised the profile for these games. I, I think that's absolutely true because they have something that is very unique that is not obvious on the surface, which is their deeply funny, weird games. Yeah. One of the games, I think it's Yakuza 0, has Mr. Shakedown in it. Mr. Shakedown is a large, burly man who, if you have over a certain amount of money in the game, he actively tries to find people with money, including you, and will challenge you to fights. And every time he hits you, he takes your money. And Mr. Shakedown will then run away into the night, and then you have to find Mr. Shakedown to try to reclaim your money by beating your money out of him. That's... Oh, dude, that doesn't even touch on, like, Majima Everywhere. Oh, Majima no. Everywhere is incredible. Just so much of these games is great, and I feel like they're a, they're a triumph for the art form, but I feel like maybe the more important thing, and that's kind of what I was going to talk about, is I think that I've been watching a lot of videos of and thinking a lot about what video games looked like from, like, 2005 to, like, 2011 or 12. Okay. And I think that, well, maybe 2003 or even earlier to now, video games were in a really bad place for a really long time. And there was a, there was a period of time where, like, a huge proportion of video games were just cover-based shooters... Like snap cover shooters, yeah. there were dozens and dozens of Gears them. Gears of War, Mass Effect, this yeah. whole era of just, huh, chest high walls. I wonder if there's going to be a fight in here. Yeah, and and but also video games like had no color palette. They had no imagination. They were gritty and mean and short. Video <laughs> games were notoriously short for years. You're kind of talking about like the Bloom era of video games, yes. where everything was brown and various. Different lighting engines were the color palette. Yeah. So it's just shades of brown. And I feel like there was a there was a period of time where these video games kind of flourished, and I feel like the thing that made these culturally available to people, which made them like flourish like they did, was the fact that largely people consumed their video games through like trailers they would see, magazines they would read box art they would see in like EB games or whatever. Yeah. Like they, they weren't being they weren't being exposed to, like, the the vibrancy of people enjoying these things. And now I feel like we live in this beautiful renaissance where all the things that I, as someone who loves video games, knew were good, are now, like, the things that are considered to be good. Because we now have a way of interfacing with video games where we, like, tune into Mixer or Twitch or Justin.tv, which doesn't exist anymore. No. Uh, but you, like... You, YouTube. YouTube. You get yeah. to see people enjoy these things. You're like, oh, like, the things I enjoy watching are, like, the vibrant, cool things that these people love. And, like, Twitch and YouTube 
are almost entirely to blame for Demon Souls turning into basically a genre and also maybe the most famous series of video games <laughs> right now. Oh man, I have a, a fun history with Demon's Souls because I didn't have a PlayStation 3, never had a PlayStation console until the 4 Pro that I got like two years ago. Mm-hmm. But I, I worked IT with this, this friend named Lance who wouldn't, he would just keep talking about this game called Demon's Souls. And I was like, what is it? Just tell me about it. My phone needs to stop vibrating. It's driving me insane. Mm-hmm. I said that to him. Yeah. He said, Lance, and my he, phone. He was just describing it. He's like, you've got these souls. You get souls for killing things. You get you spend souls on upgrading your equipment and, and leveling up and stuff. But at any time, someone could walk into your, your, your playing field and kill you and steal your souls. I was like, what? Yeah. It's multiplayer on a, on a weird level. I, I can't even imagine. And all I wanted to do was play this game. Mm-hmm. And so when Dark Souls was announced, and then was announced that it was coming to like the Xbox and stuff, I was like, oh god, this is it. I get to play the game. And then from there, it just became this this nice, fun, fun time for all of us. All this, all of us dying and losing our souls. Yeah, it became a cultural phenomenon because... Leading up to this moment in time that I think about, and I feel like if video games are to be considered seriously, we will see this period of time for like 2002 to 2008 or 9 or 10 as being like one of the market dark ages for video games. Because video games, in addition to being short, brown, repetitive, and ugly, they were also very easy. And there is, for the most part, like large AAA games. Um, yeah, yeah. But the the thing is, like, going into where we are now, people, like, they appreciate difficulty. They appreciate that something looks difficult because they appreciate seeing people try a difficult thing and then they want to do the difficult thing themselves. It's a much more beautiful thing and I like to, like, shit on the idea of streaming video games or whatever, but I think that it's actually genuinely been a good thing. It's been and, helpful. And has led directly to... The entirety of my favorite, one of my favorite video game series being playable on the PS4. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about Dark Age of video games, just this whole time period in general, you make me think of the first Borderlands game, which was saved at the last second by a marketing decision to make it cell shaded. Yeah. Because beforehand, the game was brown. Yep. And it was just brown Mm -hmm. and if you go back and play that first borderlands game it's still very very muted in its colors uh and you want to talk about easy and and kind of pointless they advertised oh we got a million guns only a couple of them are good yeah and everything dies and to a headshot anyway Mm mm-hmm and unless you're reading every little piece of text in borderlands it's just like Oh, I go here. Okay, I did it. Oh, yeah. I go to this here. Borderland. The first Borderlands game is like one of the first, like, I don't know. Well, I don't know the word anymore, but it, it, it's just a hopeless, pointless game. Nothing you do in that game matters. It's just like you just go to the next point. You do the next thing. You kill the next group of enemies. Yeah. You just keep going. And then a couple of years later, they released Borderlands 2 which is completely vibrant and striking in its colors, has like a very 
meaningful story with these characters that are given life. It's like a, a flip switched overnight between Borderlands and Borderlands 2 to make one of the most like boring post-modern game that doesn't really give you the game feeling to giving you a fully-fledged experience just a couple of years later. Yeah, I mean, you can almost track that exactly to what we're talking about because one of the the biggest additions to Borderlands 2 is like one of the people that they hired and I think wrote for that game is the person who was part of Whatcha Playin' Ash. Hey Ash, Whatcha Playin'? Hey Ash, Whatcha Playin'? Anthony Birch. So uh, Anthony Birch was like a relatively, like a very early video gamey, like social media YouTube star. He worked for Destructoid. I don't know if that site's still around for a long time, but he made these videos. He was very visual in his approach to Borderlands 2. Yeah. But he was, like, one of the earliest, like, video content creators for video games that was, like, relatively famous. Because I would see those videos all over the place oh, in, yeah. in earlier internet times, ten years ago when you last went to the dentist. Uh, <laughs> but it that's, like, the break, right? It's, like, yeah. people realizing that these people who care about things and can, like, bring art and, like, life to these things... That's when video games took off again. When people were designing these things by committee and it was just like a hand hold you through a pile of oatmeal, they just weren't good. I mean, the, I'm sure that the video games were technically good, but I don't feel like they were good for our soul. I, I, here's the thing. Borderlands is credited in creating an entire genre of game, the looter shooter, if you will, which is just Diablo with guns. Yeah. Uh, and even then, it wasn't a good game, but people saw the potential in it, and then people were hired on, like Anthony Birch, to make, to care about making the game, and not just churn out another product, mm-hmm. to make something artful and, and worth going through, worth playing, something fun, an experience, and then boom, we got the, the, the renaissance of gaming that started in like, I don't know, early 2011 or so. Yeah. We live in a beautiful time now for video games. Well, it, it's there's it's a give and take for every good developer out there that cares about their game that's willing to to put in the extra work to make what, it visually striking. Let's just give a classic a, good example. There's like a, a my summer car. What look for every my summer car, there's an EA. Yeah. There's an Activision. There there's a company who only wants to squeeze profit out of a game, and so they cut it off at the knees, and they they make horrible cuts to their staff. And everything that people like about the game are, are sort of ignored for just churning out more profitable options for their loot boxes. And I mean, more more and more large companies, I feel like it, it's really just large companies who are mostly responsible for turning video games basically into uh, slot machines. Yeah. Uh, but here's a, here's a quick example of how you don't have to do that. So digital extremes, right? They make Warframe. Oh, your favorite game. Uh, my favorite game, Warframe. Uh, do you know what a Kubro is? Is that the shell that you use? Is that your Warframe? Is that your shell? Is that your, like your Warframe shell? A Kubro is a space dog, kind nope. of. Okay. Space bat dog. I had no idea. So it's a companion you can get in Warframe, and you can customize your Kubro, feed your Kubro, do a bunch of Kubro stuff. They're kind of a money sink in that you can spend a lot of in-game money on them. But they... they Rarely, if ever, require you to spend real-time money. They're just time and money sink like a pet would be. 
And they, when they initially announced that you could, like, customize Kubros, they made it so to get new colors on your Kubros, you would basically hit a button to get it genetically modified, and it would get a different, like, colorway. Like, it would get a different combination of colors, but it was random. Oh. Right? And it, it cost a little bit, but it was totally cosmetic, and it was justified as, we can make this cost the Warframe equivalent of real money because it's totally cosmetic. Like, they, they very much believe in, like, you don't want to pay to win a game, uh, but if it's totally cosmetic, it's whatever. But they noticed that one person had tapped the randomize my Kubro thing. One user had tapped it, like, 200 times and spent a lot of money doing that. And in the parlance of, like, the loot crate kind of slot machine video game, they call that kind of person a whale... Yeah. Because a whale is someone who keeps coming back and spends a whole bunch of money. Digital Extremes, when seeing that was the case, removed the feature entirely. Wow. Because this person had spent hundreds of dollars customizing a virtual dog and they realized that this was not of benefit to his life. They removed that feature entirely from the game. It made them completely redesign their, like, uh, design document going forward for what you pay for versus what you don't. And that game is, like, one of, if not the most successful, longest-running multiplayer games that's free. Yeah. And has been forever. So, like, you don't have to make a slot machine. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't have to. The thing is, so many companies are just... They easily buy into, hey, people are willing to spend money. We're not doing anything wrong. We're providing a service. It's not our fault that they want to keep giving us money to buy a currency, to have a random chance at getting... The thing they want... What an evil motivation. Yeah. All we do is control the drop rates. Yeah. (laughs) That's such a... That's such an inane capitalist myth. It's like, if people continue to give us money, that's not our fault. They're continuing to give us money. What do we do? We take the water from the oceans, we put it in bottles, we make the ocean water illegal to drink, and you can only drink from the bottles, but they're giving us the money for it. For, for a brief amount of time in my life, I played gotcha games uh, on my phone. Is that where you, like, try to catch people's spouses who are cheating on them? And you gotcha. run into the room and you're like, gotcha, no. this is cheaters, welcome to cheaters. <laughs> gotcha stemming from Gachapon, those uh, little capsule machines in Japan. You put in a couple of yen, you spin the little dial, you get... A little capsule, and you get a, you get a figurine. I prefer crane games. Which figurine you get is completely random, and there are very rare ones that you can sink a lot of yen in to try to get the rare ones. Uh, they took that concept and put it into a video game, so that you get like characters, and the characters can fight, and some characters are good, some characters are bad. Is this like Puzzle and Dragon? A little bit. Okay. So the worst offender by far is. Uh, Fate Go. No clue. Based on the Fate Stay series of visual novels. The vampire dating game? Not vampire. There's a vampire in there. Uh, Okay, so the characters are based off of actual and fictional historical figures, some of which include, like, Vlad the Impaler, who is indeed a vampire. Yes. Uh, but to call it a vampire dating game, I feel like is a misnomer. Look, it's rather been... than calling it a dating game that features one or two vampires. <laughs> Look, it's been a while. I just know that I dated the vampire. Anyway, and Fate Go or whatever it's called, uh, 
the drop rate for some of the highest characters are less than 0.00001%. Great. But if they're on banner, which means they're featured, that raises to 0.001%. Ooh, so it goes up by a hundred times. A hundred times while still being under holy 1%. Yes, while still being functionally impossible. That game is the highest grossing mobile game to ever come out. That's so gross. Yeah. I really hate that. The only reason I stopped playing, I never put money into it. I only wanted to play it in like a free-to-play sort of uh, way. The only reason I stopped playing it was because all of my data got deleted. Oh no, you lost all your vampires, bro. Lost all my vampires. What a shame. Now, however, there is another gacha game that I play called Fire Emblem Heroes. And long-time fans will know... I spent well over $700 on that game. Yes. Over the course of two years. Yes. $700. Uh-huh. Think about the things you could have bought with $700. That's like two PlayStation... That's two Switches for sure. Yeah, two Switches. Over 10 copies of Fire Emblem Three Houses, a game I've put 70 hours into. Yeah. And, and that's way more fulfilling than a stupid mobile game. Look, all I'm saying is... It works, and that's why they do it, but at the same time, your company who made Warframe has proven they don't have to do that. Yeah. We thought Respawn Entertainment was going to be a good one. They they made Apex Legends. Uh-huh. And then they got a little too greedy. What'd they do? This most recent event, the most recent season pass, I don't know the details, but it seemed like none of the player base liked it. Okay. And they've, of course, voiced their concerns. And then the lead developer for Respawn Entertainment, or Apex Legend, uh, just started insulting the player base, saying they're stupid and they're going to pay for it anyway. Why are they complaining? And that just... And he, like, went to Reddit and posted these things. It's like, this is stupid. Stop complaining. We have to do this. And... It's just like, we thought you were a good one. I guess I'm not excited for Titanfall 3 anymore. There is no Titanfall 3. There never will be. Yeah, that got canceled for Apex Legends. Great. I mean, I I assumed Apex Legends was largely, oh man, I guess I'm not excited for that Star Wars game anymore either. Well, that's not done by, is it? No, that's not done by Respawn. I think so. No. Is it not? It's done by another piece. I feel like it's Respawn because I got excited because I love Star Wars. It's all EA. The EA owns Respawn. EA owns the company that's doing that Star Wars game. I thought the whole thing was they got Respawn to make a multiplayer game and then they got a multiplayer company to make a single player game in Star Wars. Yeah, it is is Respawn. Oh! But I don't know. I liked Titanfall, but... That sucks. Yeah. I don't know. I, it seems like when when video game developers can make a product they like and want to work on, generally the product is good. The colors are more vibrant. Yes. And it's it's a fun time for everyone. And so I'm glad that the people who made Yakuza uh, backed away from their attempt at the first Yakuza. Yakuza? The first... Yakuza. First Yakuza. The first westernization attempt, I'm glad they backed away from that, and now I've kind of 
instead of leaning into it and be like, oh, we just got to do it harder. They're like, no, we're going to stick to our roots, stick to what works over here at least. And then if it gets over to the the West then and succeeds, that's great. And if not, we get a whole lot of people at home who like it. Yeah. Look, just play Yakuza Kiwami, the remake of one. Start, then, at, start at zero. Yes, because if you start at zero and go all the way to current day, you will track the history of Kazuma Kiryu from 1989 to 2016. That's amazing. You get to see 30 years of this murderous man's life. Look, he's good at heart. He's a tremendously good at he, heart. And he's also good at destroying people. He just wants the best RC car. He wants the best RC car. He wants to make people happy. He's never had sex. He's he's never there's no way. There is a pretty there's a there's a large conspiracy in the Yakuza community that not only has Kazuma Kiryu never had sex, he doesn't know what it is. That's funny, and I like it. Because he, like a lot of Japanese protagonists, when faced with the idea of, like, a sexual encounter or the idea of sex, says, like, what? Or what are you talking about? To, to like, feign a certain kind of ignorance. I think he's the world's deadliest virgin. <laughs> wow. He's gotta be. So... Is that what Yakuza means? Is it Japanese for world's deadliest virgin? It, it absolutely does. Now, speaking of deadly virgins... Oh, no. Uh, there's a There's been some breaking news. Dr. Connors class. There's been some... What? I got so caught up in what I was doing, I forgot. What's happening? He's gonna kill me. What's happening? I need to show you something. Is this, is this from what we're talking about? I need to show you something. I am completely unaware of this. Oh, it's so good, though. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Dr. Connor's class. <laughs> I got so caught up in what I was doing, I forgot all about it. It's gonna kill me. What's happening? That's it. What's happening? How is it? It's so bad. Oh no. Dr. Connor's class. He's gonna kill me. What is that face? So yeah, Dr. Connor's class. My life has been enriched. We have to put the audio in the episode. We can. We'll try. There's no doubt about it. That's a good video. Now, so, virgins. Yeah. So yeah, deadly, deadly virgins. Uh, yes, DVs. How do we say? So there's some late breaking. Does that mean it's happening now? Yeah, there's some late breaking news. No, it means it breaks later. It's breaking now. It's breaking now. We got bra- This is your update. Oh, does this mean we have to do the classic intro for our segment for late breaking comic book movie news? Yeah. I don't want to do that today. Okay, we'll skip it this time. We'll get you. We'll get you next time. It's so pretty amazing. So here comes your news from Comic Corner. Uh, little 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 mom and pop shop company Sony, little mom and pop company Sony, who owns the rights to Spider Man, 
has just released a statement saying Spider-Man will no longer appear in the MCU. Yes, Marvel and Sony's talks for ongoing co-producing Spider-Man films have stalled and some are reporting have completely fallen through. From what I've heard, the way I understand it, uh, a small locally owned business, uh, Disney. Oh, Disney? Uh, oh, I, hear, I heard they fell on some hard times recently. They started a GoFundMe to pay for Mama Disney's foot transplant. Yeah, uh, Mama Disney really needs that new foot. But they were using Spider-Man in some of their MCU films. And the way that the agreement worked is that Sony would just get all of the Spider-Man money, basically. Yeah. And so Disney made a, a little proposal. They were like, hey, going forward... We recognize that Sony owns the rights to Spider-Man. Uh, we want to keep using that character. Why not a 50-50 split? Mm-hmm. Because, like, at the end of the day, we're doing a lot of the work. You're doing a lot of producing. I understand that. You're producing. We're doing a lot of the work. We just want some of that, some of the money. Some mm-hmm. of the money that we get for using your character. At the end of the day, we make Spider-Man Homecoming and you make Venom. And I don't know. Which one's better? Who can say? So they submitted that proposal and sony responded by ending all negotiations without comment and and then releasing this press release saying hey spider-man's no longer in the mcu great they did not respond to disney's offer at all possibly a bargaining tactic for people to like freak out about it and then disney will maybe re-offer a different split what some insider analysts are saying is that this move means they were never going to renew their Spider-Man like agreement. They want the character back because Venom was successful enough. I guess. They have a Craven the Hunter movie in the works. They have some Jared Leto movie in the works. I forget the name of the character. Uh, they had a Sinister Six movie that was just shelved, but they could just bring it right back. Uh-huh. And they're working on a Silver Sable slash black cat movie all connected to this venom verse which secretly the venom verse this whole time was probably the spider verse because in addition to this news sony is like don't worry tom holland signed on to do two more movies oh no that's dr connor's glass (laughs) that's uh, that's really evil yeah I mean, so in a battle, I want to make it clear, in a battle between two media conglomerates, Disney and Sony, fuck them both. Um, yeah, for real. And also, I don't want Disney to corner the market on all nostalgia and also, like, uh, you know, weaponize representation and nostalgia and be the biggest uh, unstoppable behemoth. So I like any blow that can come to Disney, but this is, it feels really slimy on Sony's part. What's really interesting is that... uh Marvel has been doing this thing where they connect all their movies together and characters you see in one movie you expect to be back for another. Yes. And so there were some slight spoilers in Spider-Man Home and Spider-Man Far From Home where it's vaguely implied that Spider-Man might have an important role in the MCU going forward. That's what I'll say. Yeah. Uh, and so we all assume point. It's fine. Continue. We all assume that hey, we saw Spider-Man Far From Home. We're gonna see this character again. And then you know what happened at uh, 
Comic-Con? What? There was no mention of Spider-Man. Yeah. He's not in Phase 4. So... Now we know why. Yes. They were in talks with Sony, and Sony's like, Tom Hardy needs another Tom to play with. This works. I'm the executive that pushed to make Venom, and now I want two Toms in a movie. Can we get Hanks? What's the next Marvel movie? I don't remember. Let's say it's Doctor Strange. It's not. That one's not until like 2021. So let's say at the beginning of the next Marvel It's Black Widow, I think. Okay, at the beginning of Black Widow. Does Black Widow take place in the past? It might... The next one that takes place I don't in know, the I, current timeline. I let's try say, not to pay attention to Let's say stuff. it's Doctor Strange. Yeah. It goes through everything. Uh, the setting up Doctor Strange movie, credits roll, late title card, and then it cuts and you, uh, you just see the legs of a chair in a dark room. <laughs> and then you suddenly see Spider-Man's feet enter the frame but not touch the ground. Oh, no. <laughs> And that's all you hear of Spider-Man. You don't need Tom Holland back for that. It's heavenly. Heavenly. It's heavily implied that for some reason, (laughs) Spider-Man hangs himself. Yes. The darkest start to any Marvel movie there's ever been. He's never mentioned again. You never see Tom Holland's visage. You just see that Spider-Man hangs himself. Uh, If Disney was a real one, it would do it. Uh, They're not. Because I not. think they're going to hold on hope that they can use their Spider-Man again. I don't know. What if they bring Tom Holland back? Okay, this is going to be some real galaxy brain shit. They bring him back as, like, Arachno-Man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they Man-Spider. Man-Spider. They bring him back as Man-Spider, and they in no way ever reference that he ever was called Spider-Man. Yeah. They, so it's like a... Uh, what is that? Terrence Howard, Don Cheadle kind of thing. Yeah. The unspoken change. Maybe the color palette switches. Yeah. Instead of like all red, it's all blue with red. Yeah, it's stripes. all stripes. He just changes, and then you they it's never mentioned again. Yeah. It's still Tom Holland, but it's not Spider Man. It's Man Spider, Arachnid Boy. Yeah, Arachno Lad. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like this is a really dumb thing. You made a okay ish movie. You made some money. Tom Hardy did a job. Tom Holland has been killing it as the new Spider-Man. He's some people's favorites. He's been in, like, five movies. He's done a great job. Uh-huh. But just because you have a good actor and an okay maybe movie, that doesn't mean you're going to breed success by smashing them together. Here's the problem. Every executive in every company, especially in media conglomerates like Sony and Disney, they are slavering beasts. They are they're animals in suits who are like tearing away at their clothes and their flesh all day because there's like the promise of money in front of them. And they're like they they would rip their skeletons out of their skin and throw their skull across the room to bite a dollar bill. Yeah. Like these people operate on a level of like bald-faced greed that we cannot understand. And you have to imagine on a day-to-day basis for these like completely uh, incompetent sociopathic ghouls that they see 
the MCU, and for the last 11 years, there's been nothing they've wanted more but to have their own. Yeah. It's it's a real Infinity Stone kind of thing. <laughs> because they're like, this is power. This is what we've always wanted, which is movies that you can keep putting out forever, and the budget is limitless, and they always make millions and millions of dollars and have massive appeal in America, in China, in India, in, like, all major markets. And it doesn't matter what you make. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Bring it out in phases. Like, it has been raining money down on Marvel and Disney for so long, and they're furious that they can't have it, and everyone's tried to have it. They want to have a Godzilla one, and a Mummy one, and a DC one, and a new Spider-Man one. They just want it so bad. <laughs> and all, all they're doing is looking at the products. They're not looking at the process. They're like... Oh, seemingly this came together with a director and a writer and some executives. It's like, no, it's, there has been one executive producer from the beginning. Kevin Feige has been here from the word go. He has been pulling all the continuities together as much as he can. He, he's been focusing this in, in, in the direction of Endgame, and now he's going to focus in whatever direction comes next. It's like you've got a singular vision that is that is the secret to this process, and then you got WB who is just saying, "Oh, you got a movie, you got a superhero movie, you got a superhero movie, you gonna make it, you gonna make it." Because yeah. if we make enough superhero movies, we can connect them. Oh yeah, we gonna connect, make them funny, make them fun. Joss Whedon pulling the wheat Schneider. You're out, Whedon! The problem is what they do, WB and Sony and all of the other places that want to make their own thing. They're like, oh, you got a superhero movie? Fire up the toilet. Here we go. <laughs> it's time to go another trip down the shithole. You got $30 million. What do you mean you need more? $30 million is a lot of money. $30 million, um, $30 million is a lot of money. It's worth noting that these what people... What do you mean you're going to make it R? These ghouls... we got to get the kids in the seats. You can't make it R. This is something that you and I can talk about. Is like, oh, they don't see the artistic vision. They can't. Like, to get to where they are in, like, their positions of power in a company, they can't have ever considered art. What do you mean Ryan Reynolds is going to be in the suit the whole time? we got to get his pretty face out. Got to get those ladies in the seats. What do you mean his face is defigured? Yeah, it's... Your movie's canceled. It's horrifying. What do you mean it's not canceled? <laughs> what do you mean you're releasing it anyway? What do you mean you're leaking footage? What do you mean it's been out? What do you mean it's been 18 million views in a minute? What... You get $50 million. <laughs> yeah, it's horrifying. And it's a shame that we have to see this ghoulish abomination uh, trundle out before us once again. So we get to be reminded that our beloved comic book movies are nothing more than the product of a <laughs> ceaseless hateful machine. I thought at least one side was getting it right and, and like almost reached a protected status. You know, like Endgame... Breached the, all the records, destroyed Avatar, it finally slayed that demon. And I thought we, we got to a place like, oh, Disney even bought Fox. Like, oh, maybe they could bring in Fantastic Four and X-Men if they so wanted. Like, we finally got to a point where it's like, hey, we got nothing to worry about. And now big bad Sony's got to throw their weight around. We got Tom Hardy. But we, we got Jared Leto. I don't know who's playing Craven. But also what we want is a bad thing. What we want is them, is Disney to have dominion over everything. Well, he, I mean, 
I want singular artistic vision. And if the sad part is that means that one company gets all of the power and the money. Whoops. I mean, this is it's how our stupid, dumb society is laid out. I don't see how Japan can make crossovers with every single property they want to. But we can't have Superman and, and Captain America in the same thing. It's happened before, I know. Yeah. But like, we can't put them in the same movie without like a billion agreements and so many mustaches. <laughs> it's just because Japan is slightly more resistant to money writing its laws. Yeah. Uh, but also, I would deal with Venom for the rest of my... If every superhero movie... I'm going to make a bold claim. Post-Endgame. If every superhero movie that came out during my lifetime, during the entirety of the rest of my life, was of Venom quality or lower, and the price I had to pay for that was the Disney Monopoly being broken up, I'd be perfectly happy. Yeah. Okay. I'm okay with superhero movies being over. I would want... What I want, I suppose, is that the Marvel Studios buy themselves out from Disney. I know that's impossible. Yeah. But if Marvel Studios could exist on its own as its own movie company, its own production company... Yeah. uh, And then they just deal with whatever rights they have, because that's all I... That's all I care about. I, you know, if they were a machine that you could throw properties into and they could reliably make good movies of a cohesive vision, that'd be great. Yeah, that would be great. If if Sony and Disney or whoever owned these characters or Fox could go to Marvel and be like, "Hey, Marvel Studios, make this movie," and Marvel Studios would go, "Okay," and then they make it, it's great. Yeah. Instead, we get just every. Three to five years, another Fantastic Four movie, just so Fox doesn't lose the rights. Hey man, Rise of the Silver Surfer Part 2, get ready. This one's gonna have Moloch in it. Oh. And Modoc. The Mind Taker. Mental organism designed only for killing. Is that the floating brain man? It is. He's a floating head. I don't care. That's a lot of dumb ideas in comics. Let's do them all. Yeah, let's do them all. Let's do them all. Howard the Duck. He was in Endgame. He was in... Yeah, he was in Endgame. New Judge Dredd movie? Yeah, Let's he, do it. Yeah, he was in Endgame. Yeah, Judge Dredd. They opened the portal, Judge Dredd came out. It, he said, I'm French, actually. Actually, like, all those portals opened up, but only Drudge, Judge Dredd came out. He's like, I am the law. Yeah. You double parked. <laughs> and he just takes off the entire... He blows Spider-Man's head off. <laughs> You're double parked. <laughs> And then he walks back through the portal, portal's closed. <laughs> oh, I wanted him to take on the entire army by himself. He could have. He's like, he's like, oh, you're injured, Captain. <laughs> yeah, you're really injured. It's just me. <laughs> I sentence you to life. <laughs> yeah. That'd be great. That's how they're going to write Spider-Man off. They're going to replace <laughs> yeah. him. They're going to replace him with Judge Dredd. Good news from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They've acquired the Dark Horse <laughs> Cinematic Universe. They've all your favorite characters. They've acquired 2000 AD. That's right, a Rogue Trooper movie, a Judge Dredd movie. Yeah. So many horny French comic books. <laughs> yeah. Uh I feel like that might be the end of this podcast. Well, maybe we should end on a happier note. We never end on a happy note if we talk about comic book movies Here's because the it's thing, a desolate bro. wasteland. 
Spider-Man is the only good comic book character. Now, I know some people out there are going to disagree. I don't disagree. But fuck you. Spider-Man is the only good comic book character. And so I just wish Tom Holland the best because decisions are being made outside of his control. Yeah. He's just like the player on an NFL team being traded away. There's no free agency in acting. Yeah. Decisions are being made 100% for him, and it's a shame because he's done a great, great job. He's been the best Spider-Man I've seen besides, don't know the name, but Miles Morales from Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, Shameek Moore? Thank you. Yeah. So good. So good. Now, it's just a shame he's going to have to hang himself. Not in real life in the movie. Yeah, hopefully not in real life. I hope he goes on. He's going to be in other things. He's going to be like in... He's going to be Venom 2. Venom <laughs> 2. No, he's going to be in... um. Oh, it's, uh, the, the... A bank the, heist movie. Oh, the one with Craven the Hunter? With no, Venom? Stop it! No! A non-superhero bank heist movie. I think also directed by the Russos. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'd like that. I think it's called A Dime to Kill For. That's probably not it. I know. That's probably... There's a reason why they don't let me title movies. But I hope it is called that. Uh, We wish you the best, Tom Holland. Our condolences. Yeah, please come on our show. I know the time difference would make that impossible. The time difference between what? Our time and spider time? <laughs> exactly. Uh, everyone knows they're, they're 12 hours behind us. They are. It's always the opposite. It's the same hour, but it's night or day. Yeah, it's just flipped. What's up? There's just still the spider in the core. I feel like maybe either he set up shop there or he died. He might be dead. Let's not talk about Peter Podker I being I said we're going to end on a good note. So we're just whatever Tom Holland does, I will attempt... To stomach it. <laughs> yes. No matter what, we believe in you, Tom Holland. Yeah. You dance... You princes of Maine. You dance fighting, like, parkour running, freak man you. Let's talk about... Uh, no. We want... Wait, okay. What? I'm going to talk about what other MCU characters who want to kill themselves, but that's not a good... It's fine. Uplifting, John. Uplifting. We need to lift we ju- up. What? We just ended the uplifting segment, and you oh immediately God. dragged us back Sorry, down to the I'm, dirt. I'm in a weird place. The dirt. I'm in a weird place. <sighs> Speaking of dirt... I, what if Iron Man hogs? <laughs> oh, no. What if they brought... What, sorry. What if Iron Man just... What if... So they okay, open like, up on a dark room. A dark room. <laughs> okay, wait. They open up on a dark room. This is a real end of Infinity War. Chair legs. Spider-Man legs come down. Don't touch the floor. Obviously, it's implied that he died. Yeah. And then Iron Man legs come down. Don't touch the floor. <laughs> yeah. Hulk legs come down. <laughs> Just all of them. And they're like, we're getting weird with it. Every member of the Avengers has somehow ended up in the same room and hanged themselves at the same time. And all off one chair. Yeah. That's the impressive part. It's uh, you, you, It really makes you want to wish that they could pan up and show how they did it. But they can't because they can't show that many deaths that soon in yeah. a PG-13 movie. They can't. They gotta give it PG only the feet. Only the feet. Only the feet. Only the feet. Tarantino knows. That way the, the little Timmy in the audience can go, what are they doing? And then the parents can helpfully explain that uh, they're... Sony killed the MCU. <laughs> yes. Uh, and it's crazy because that's the way it ends. The credits read Sony killed the <laughs> yeah. MCU. None of your favorite heroes will be back. Thanks, Sony. <laughs> 
<laughs> Spider-Man and Iron Man and the Hulk and Thor will not return in anything. Yeah, thanks, Sony. Dead. The old Iron Man can't come to the phone right now. Why? Because he's dead. Reputation. Reputation. I feel like we should do some social media before this continues uh, to talk about suicidal ideations for Marvel characters some more. Oh, no, you edit. So that means that I have to do social media. That is usually what it means. Okay, well, fine. If you want to send us your hate-filled screeds against Sony Entertainment for what they've done or your delightful missives about what they've done and that they took fire from the gods, they stole our sweet boy Petey Porker from the, the hands of Marvel, you can do so by sending us a tweet. At ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com, which stands for Henry. I have bad news. Uh, we can no longer use the Z in ZCPCWHJ because Marvel wants the Z back. Okay, so it. So it just. PC. Yeah, well, CPCWHJ. CPC. So that WHJ. stands for. I have this whole bit that would tie into the Z. So I kind of just want to skip it, but if you insist, I'll do it. No, do it. Okay, well, crap, pig, crap, what? He, Jim. That's right. It stands for crap, pig, crap, he, Jim. Once again, that's at ZCPCWHJ. You can put Twitter. like a Sony after the Z, like Z Sony. Sony? Yeah. Z-Sony. They just want it to be legally distinct from their character, the Z. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, wait, can we... We've got some back properties. We can probably replace the Z with Zorro. We've got, like, the Zorro IP. Uh, we've got Zorro. God damn it, we lost Zorro? Yeah, we so lost turn, Zorro? Turn, turn we've got Bizarro Zorro? Yeah, we got we've Zorro. got Bizarro Zorro Zorro? Or now Zorro credits. I can't believe we lost Zorro, so we have to stick with Bizarro Zorro Zorro. This is disgusting. I feel like if you want to reach out and tell us how disgusting it is, there's something you can do. Yeah, if you want to tell us how disgusting you are, you can send us an email. <laughs> <laughs> credits is a podcast at gmail.com. Send us a tweet. Send us your feet. Wait, don't. Please don't send us your feet. You're going to end up on WikiFeet. Don't get on WikiFeet. We are on Facebook. Search for Zero Credits Podcast in the Facebook search bar. We don't post anything on Facebook, just like all your cool friends. We are not on Twitch because we have not Twitched in a minute. Uh, we are on Spotify, though. You can find us by searching for Zero Credit, open parentheses, S, close parentheses on Spotify. You can listen to the hit new song by Republican Hair, Fake Supreme, and then listen to this episode of this podcast we are also on apple podcasts leave us a like leave us a shrike please uh, shrike is a bird that eviscerates other birds and puts their guts in trees i don't want a shrike but most importantly more importantly than anything else word of the mouth is the only way we can survive i've tried to do the rhyming thing multiple times and i've failed every time so i'm not going to do it this time but it is time. <laughs> you just keep saying time for you to tell people that it is time to listen to Zero Credits Time. Please, time. Please, time. 
Oh, I want to give a quick shout out. Remember last week I introduced the podcast to my good friend Andrew, who you then called Andrew Wiener? You jerk. Well, he wrote uh, to me specifically uh, on an unrelated matter to the podcast, but he ended that message with, Also, I listened to a few episodes of the podcast, mainly the one about Infinity War and Marvel. Good stuff! Both of you have a great radio voice slash presence. Would I quibble with some of your cinematic points? Absolutely. But that's what makes it fun to listen to. So there's a glowing review from my good friend Andrew, who you have now made fun of. I hope you feel bad. Look, I'm, I'm just saying I never thought that I'd get into a cinematic fight with uh, Andrew Weiner. <laughs> it's not him. And from everyone here at the Zero Credits Too Bad Too Bath Party House Apartment, we want to wish you a happy days week. Happy days. We're all right. Happy days. Don't give us a shrike.